come sit down. This is Kathy. Hey. Lorna. Chug. You know Robbie. And Dickie. Steven's new to the bay from Chicago. Welcome back to Scream 101. You're listening to Sergio. And Brennan. And this week, we are going to be talking about some stuff. Now, because I don't have a script in front of me, Brennan here is going to tell you about that stuff. Brennan, (laughs) why don't you take it away? And in sports, um, today is the second week of 90s Teen Horror Month, which means that we will be talking about the 1998 thrill-a-minute chiller disturbing behavior. But first, hold on, quick sec, like yes. quick question. Okay, where does where does the phrase "thrill a minute" come from? There's a thrill every minute. Really? Yeah. Where does it come from? I don't know. Is it like a genre of movies? No, it's like a description of things. Okay, I've never heard of it before. Really? I like it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It it's like a just like a thing. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. So before that, we were gonna do some ten word reviews. Yes. And we were only doing about five because. Brennan here gave me an entire list to fill out, and it had some like fifteen movies. Yes. And I was like, Brennan, I can't do this list and be good. Like, it's quality over quantity here. Uh huh. I I just wanted to um catch up on all the ones that we haven't uh, that that we watched in the past two months, like all the current theatrical movies. But it was too many. It was too many. I overwhelmed my friend Sergio, and uh, we're just gonna do a couple. So I'm gonna have you start because I don't know which ones you picked, and I'll just read my reviews for those movies. As I don't we even go know along. if I finished them, um, uh, but here we go. All right. Okay. So Love Simon, uh, adorably awkward teen rom coms finally get a gay lead. Yas. <laughs> And my review of Love Simon is coming out porn for white people. Natasha Rothwell, show stealer. Who's Natasha Rothwell? She's the lady from oh, Insecure. Yeah. She played like Miss, the drama teacher. Miss Bennings or something. Nobody knows. Uh, a wrinkle in time. Giant Oprah meets crazy CGI makes Oprah larger than life. <laughs> and my review is only watch for the giant space Oprah in the background. <laughs> yeah. So. This is a movie we watched a flat two months ago, and I guess that's the one thing we've retained from it. Yeah, that and Reese Witherspoon was a cloud at one point or something. I like that giant cotton candy leaf monster. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Book Club. Fifty Shades meets Golden Girls, and we should demand a sequel. My review of Book Club is a feckless milquetoast screenplay buried beneath a pile of hors d'oeuvres. That's good. Thank you. A lot of inside jokes in that one. All right. Uh, Solo, which is the, it's actually the full title is Solo, a Star Wars story, right? That's correct. Uh, Amelia Clark, Queer Robots, Upstage, oh, no, hold on. Amelia Clark and Queer Robots, Upstage, Alden Ehrenreich in his lead debut. Well, the robot was queer? The robot, wasn't it queer? I want to believe it's queer. That's fair. Um, I'm sure you can make that reading. Um, And my review of Solo, A Star Wars Story is, I did always wonder how he got his last name. (laughs) All right. That's a joke. I didn't. Last names are last names. I don't need an origin story. (laughs) I mean, we got it, though. Disney and Disney got money out of it. They sure did. 
right. Not as much as they expected, but they got money. This is a Star Wars story. They weren't expecting. Listen, they cast Alden Ehrenreich. It's not like they sprung for uh, Zac Efron, you know? Uh, there is no world in which Zac Efron is a better actor than Alden Ehrenreich. There's no world in which Alden Ehrenreich grabs more uh, crowd than Zac Efron. That is true, but they had Khaleesi and Chewbacca. <laughs> They had Khaleesi. No one comes for Chewie. No one knows who plays Chewie. You do, but the average moviegoer does not. I'm no, that's true. But like Chewbacca, you know, he's always just Chewbacca. No one cares who's playing him. Okay, fine. I'm sure someone does. Don't don't at me. Um, <laughs> but um, no, the thing is, Han Solo as a character, in theory, could sell a movie. So you don't need like the biggest wattage star. But I guess maybe they did. They sure did. They should have taken me up. Zac Efron, when they recast you, you're welcome. All right. So, wait. Disobedience. Yes. All right. Interracial love is beautiful. I stole this review. Okay, glad. Oh, good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I'm not honest. My review of disobedience is the lesbians and Jews both deserve better than this. <laughs> I think they got a good movie, but we disagree. We just disagree. Yeah, I mean, you had more positive feelings toward it than I did. I found it extremely boring and... Well, you had a lot of fun with the horns. (sighs) The score was so bad. That is what unites Solo and Disobedience, and that it has really inappropriate scores. What was the score to Solo like? There was like a choir of children that kept coming (laughs) in. And and in disobedience, there was this like John Williams flute that just kept coming in at the weirdest moments. Like, it, it was like um, base. If you listen to our Jaws episode, it was like the barrel theme, like the one theme in Jaws that is just terrible and like way too cheerful and doesn't match the tone of yeah. anything. It's like um, imagine really sad, you know, queer Jewish things happening. Um, they're walking sudden- down. There's a they're walking down pavement mm-hmm. like cobblestones. Their heels are clicking. There's and a gray a sky sudden, overhead. This could be any scene in the movie. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, like, the Benny Hill, like, theme song starts playing. <laughs> Maybe not that. Okay. I mean, more... Oh, sorry. My mic's kind of acting up. Um, but, yeah, it, it was more like, um, I don't know, like a lost theme from E.T. or something. It was just not fitting the scene. No, not at all. Anyway, so today, a.k.a. last night, we watched a movie called Disturbing Behavior, and here is the plot. Steve Clark, James Marsden, is a newcomer in the town of Cradle Bay, and he quickly realizes that there's something odd about his high school classmates. The clique known as the Blue Ribbons are the eerie embodiment of academic excellence and clean living, but like the rest of the town, they're a little too perfect. When Steve's rebellious friend Gavin, Nick Stahl, mysteriously joins their ranks, Steve searches for the truth with fellow misfit Rachel, Katie Holmes. Mm. Even Rachel love. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Um, that's that's the plot of that. Um, oh, I to- Your joke just totally derailed what I was thinking and saying. You're welcome. Oh, um, as always, rate everything out of five on s- scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. And... That's what we're going to do now. <laughs> All right. So you want to know my scariness score? I would love to know your scariness score. I gave it a one. At no point was I scared. Um, I guess the scariest thought that crossed my mind was, will this movie ever end? 
And I guess and there's a possibility. It's like 84 minutes long. Yeah. So before it ended, I was like, there's the possibility that it won't end. That I'll be stuck in this like time loop watching this movie. Well, during our episode on The Craft, I was kind of frustrated on how frequently our opinions aligned on that movie. Uh-huh. So I have a feeling we're going to differ on this one. So I guess that that's a blessing. Okay. Um, so you were scared during this movie? Yeah, five out of five. Um, no, I'm giving it two out of five. It still wasn't scary. Yeah. Um, I did think there was one great scene that was like uncanny and weird. Um, basically, the plot of this movie, it, um, let's say, borrows liberally from the plots of other probably better movies. Uh-huh. This is basically the faculty's invasion of the Animorph Snatchers. It's like every <laughs> thank you. It's every movie where people are replaced with like anonymous, better versions of themselves, uh-huh. um, and that is fine. Um, it is weird that it came out like only a year or two after the Faculty, which has a very similar plot. Um, that one's more specifically like aliens invasion of the body snatchers, but instead of like. Spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. Like this weird psychological hypnotism things going on with these ones. Uh-huh. But so I guess this one's more Stepford Wives and the faculty is more invasion. But still, it it's weirdly similar. And they're also clearly trying to parrot the Kevin Williamson script style. Um, true. This is all true. But none of this is how is it at all scary. Sorry, I just got distracted. Um, I do like that plot line. Uh-huh. I watched a lot of movies with it and I enjoy most of them. Uh-huh. Oh, also, this movie, I'm pretty sure, is a quasi-remake of a 1981 Australian movie called Strange Behavior, a.k.a. Dead Kids, um, which oh. has <laughs> almost the exact same plot. Uh-huh. We, and that one's very good. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, there's a part where basically um, anytime any of these kids get horny, they get really violent and try to murder someone, mm-hmm. um, which honestly... About right. I think that's how it works. Yeah. Um, but they turn into these crazy Terminator robot killers. And this girl who's like super into James Marsden, because why not? He's a very attractive man. Mm-hmm. Um, she starts saying like, no, my behavior is bad, wrong, bad, wrong. And she's like clearly glitching. And then he smashes her face into a mirror. And she's just like staring at him with blood trickling down her forehead. It, I thought that was a creepy scene. Okay. Um, it was unnerving, but okay. Yeah, and then there was that random scene in the asylum where they were like, let's have a bunch of like extras from a different horror movie suddenly appear in this one. Yeah, the asylum was really out of place because yeah. we were supposed to know what it was and care. I mean, it, it was the place that um, the principal was hypnotizing everyone like where he worked before this. Yeah, but they approached that one girl and we're supposed to like... They approached her kind of like knowingly at first. No, they did not. I felt that they approached her knowingly. No, they were hiding from all the other patients and they found her in this room. Okay. And anyways, well, whatever, I guess. Clearly, I spent a lot more time paying attention to this movie than you did. It didn't deserve that attention, let me tell Um, you. No, I will say um, this is a reference to something that you didn't watch for the show, but we watched Dead and Buried last month uh, with Ryan Larson. And this movie was kind of similar to that, too, in that the killers or the, like, antagonists are a big group of people rather than, like, a single villain. And that was also really interesting. Um, It was more, uh, there was was more tense that way because, like, it's so much harder to escape 25 people than a single killer chasing after you. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, that was kind of 
okay, I'll give you that. That was not creepy at all. Just like, well, really, like, you know, shit out of luck for a lack of a better term. Yeah, like, more effective, I guess. Uh huh. Because it's like, there's no way you're going to escape from this. At one point, James Marsden decides, like, I want to fight back. And I'm like, what did you think was going to happen? You know, you're outnumbered. And they have, like, this crazy super strength as a result of, you know, whatever implant is in their brain. Yeah. He is handily overpowered. Mm hmm. I mean, this is two years pre-laser eyes, so he didn't really have an advantage. Uh -huh, so I was like, I don't know how the good guys are going to come out on the end, um, but they did sort of. I liked the ending. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad there's something in this movie that you liked. Well, I want to get to like the specific scene that I like, but it's like the last scene that involves a truck. Um, okay. So I want to wait. Okay, we'll, we'll get to it. Um, let's move on to campiness. Um, let's it's just not a three. All right, I'm giving it a four because this movie is '90s as hell. I don't know if it was '90s as hell, but it was just really campy. Okay, that's fine. What makes it '90s as hell? Um, did you listen to any song on this soundtrack? No, a lot wasn't on it, so I didn't care. Yeah, this is what I always say, Sergio. He's the biggest Nirvana fan, Kurt Cobain head through and through. <laughs> well, if it's a '90s as hell soundtrack, Kurt Cobain must be on it. No. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, yes, that's just not, it's true. No, look, that was, that was early nineties. This is late nineties. Is there a difference? There's a big difference. Um, there's a lot of what I shall term glop rock, just like very, uh, gooey. It just feels gooey. <laughs> it's just like, that's called free cheap music is what you're describing. Basically. Um, let me look up the bands on the soundtrack. I'm sure one of us has heard of one of them. I'm sure you've heard of one of them. Yeah. Oh, um, Flagpole Sitta is in this song, in this movie. I'm not sick, but I'm not well. Was it that song? And I'm so hot. Yeah. Because oh. I'm in hell. You know? I know the song. I don't know the band name. No, that's the name of the song that I just oh. said. Who's the band? I don't know, some guy. No one cares. I mean, that is what we were talking about. I know. <laughs> I okay. like how you immediately kind of debunk <laughs> your own point and then then get mad at me when I call you out on it. Okay, um, let's see who's on. Funk Junkies was on this um, with their song, Million Rappers. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of great. Um, when they were in Chicago. Treble. City. Probably. Treble Charger. Addict. The the flies. Yeah, I've heard of none of this. You're right. What? <laughs> there is one by Olivia Newton John. <laughs> I, I don't remember that. Um, have you never been mellow? There was one really bad song that was sung by a female. I don't know if it was her. Maybe but it was bad. I'm sorry. Um. Anyway, it has like a pretty quintessential '90s teen horror movie soundtrack uh -huh. with, with just like really ridiculous rock songs. Um, okay, but some of the other aspects of camp, aside from the music, um, like Brennan said, whenever these kids experience arousal or maybe even anger, uh, they like get these bright red flashes on the screen, and like this weird symbol that is never explained kind of briefly pops up, right? Yeah, it's like Terminator esque, but it's it's like they have boner vision. <laughs> uh huh. And then it sees, and then they go crazy, and like I was like, okay, God. I was rolling my eyes by the second one. I was like, this is overused and not explained and unnecessary. Okay, you're right. I did not love that 
effect or aspect of it. Uh-huh. It was a little too much. Uh-huh. Um, but there's some great stuff. There's some really insane moments. This movie goes from zero to bonkers so fast at with no warning. Uh-huh. Like there's there's the insane asylum where which is just full of people wandering around like a guy with blood gushing out of his mouth chasing them through the bathroom uh-huh. and then they meet that weird girl and she starts saying a sentence like meet the musical little creatures who live in the bushes or whatever and she yeah, just some little forest yeah something like that but she keeps saying it over and over and over again and getting like progressively louder and <laughs> What? Oh no! Then what happens? Yeah, Katie Holmes decks her right in the face, just knocks her out. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was pretty good. It's uh, that's just um, for the right. This is not how you should treat the mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so bizarre. But it worked. Katie yeah. Holmes managed to like throw the other crazy people off their st- trail. Yeah, she sure did. There's just a lot of decisions in this movie that are really bizarre. Mm-hmm. Like we're introduced to Katie Holmes while she's in the school parking lot, just dancing in her truck bed, mm-hmm. <laughs> just for no reason. There's not music playing or anything. She's trash. Yeah. Um, and all the side characters are so weird. There's a character named UV who's like an albino stoner. <laughs> um, I thought he was going to die. I thought he was only in this movie to die, to provide a body count. But guess what? He lives. UV gets the last laugh. He He's gets... one of the few members of that school who gets to see graduation. <laughs> well, no. Doesn't he like leave before graduation? Well, true. I mean, live to graduate. Okay. To get his, or get his GED yeah, not at school. Spoiler alert. Four of our heroes one of which wasn't really a character until the last quarter of the movie, get to drive off, off the island of, where are they? Uh, Something Bay, Cradle Bay. Cradle Bay. They get to drive off and go back to Chicago or wherever. Yeah, they didn't bring the parents either. So there, there was a weird thing. Like at the end, he was like, whenever we're together, that's home. And I'm like, you do not say that to your high school girlfriend who you just <laughs> kissed for the first time today. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, there was, yeah. Uh, Katie Holmes was at Sutler's Bay and then she went to Dawson's Creek. In Cradle Bay? Whatever. She went from one body of water to another was the joke. <laughs> yes. Well, it makes no sense when you just make up a random one. <laughs> Nobody was paying attention to this movie. I was. Um, anyway, there's another character who's like the janitor who's like, I was waiting for you to bring him up. Yeah. So he's this like mentally disturbed guy who just talks about rats all the time and killing rats. And he's like, I got to kill the rats. They're like trying to eat my brains. I don't know. Just like really weird, crazy stuff. And then we discover that not all is as it seems because in his pocket he has a copy of slaughterhouse five by kurt vonnegut so james marston's like this dude can read he's not crazy yeah <laughs> he and so like the jig is up and it turns out this is just like a regular normal dude who just pretends to be a crazy person because people show their true colors when they think you're dumb uh-huh. that's kind of profound i guess but also so weird uh-huh. I think he's just, com- he's like an improv guy. He's committed to this character after so many years of playing him because he keeps slipping in and out of it, even among people who know the truth. Uh-huh. Um, but it's so, so bizarre. But there's one beautiful moment before we know the truth about him where he spits out his cigarette and it hits James Marsden in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> 
James Marsden doesn't even flinch. No, he doesn't. He's, he's like, yep, that's about right. Out. He's just, he's laughing. I think he's smiling. This is the first time he's met this okay. crazy person, too. Yeah. Mm. A mess, Sergio. Yeah. Marsden isn't the best actor. How dare you? He's pretty. He's not a good actor, though. He was great in Enchanted. Okay, yeah. He was very over the top. Yeah, that was the point. I don't know, but that was mostly like the role doing the work for him. You can't just say that about everyone you don't like. I could say it when it applies. I don't think it Shots does. Fired. I, I think pew, he pew. embodied that role. It asked him to be over the top and he did a great job. Okay. Because not everyone can do that. But then a cover match could have been better. He does not look like a Disney prince. I hate to break it to you. Maybe if it was a lizard prince. Rude. How dare you? Benedict Cumberbatch is a better actor. I'm not going to deny that. Okay. Nor the fact that he's attract. He's just not. Benedict Cumberbatch is successful. Okay. He was Doctor and that Strange. That makes him attractive. Doctor Strange is very rich. Okay, he's in Avengers. Yeah, he's got a great American accent. He loves to show off. He's worked with Meryl Streep. Does James Marsden work with Meryl Streep? I'm going to look that up right now. We shall see. Probably not. Oh, I bet he has. Probably picked up her dry cleaning. <laughs> Oh, you are savage. What's your effect score for this movie? Um, oh, two. Okay, I'm straight up giving this one a one. Okay. Um, I mean the red screens that I just the the weird red filters took some finagling, but really bad finagling. Those yeah. were not good at all. Uh-huh. Um, no, I I, I don't think anything really stands out to me in this particular movie. Um, I mean, the area was really pretty. It was all like Northwest. Mm -hmm. Not effects, but it was a beautiful area. Listen, when I have nothing else to say about a movie, I at least comment on the scenery. Because I think they could have shot this at a a backlot in Burbank, and I know all about Burbank. It's the place that I drive over when I'm all going to like Pasadena or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Be happy that they gave us some leaves and some trees and stuff. Okay, um, sure. Um, but no, uh, the, the plot of this was mainly um, they look just like you, but they're evil, and that doesn't require an effect. So, like, it can still be effective without being gory and gross, which it is uh, not. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine the budget for this was not extremely high. <clears throat> and James Marsden and Meryl Streep have appeared together in the 23rd Annual Screen Actors Guild Awards. <laughs> doesn't count. I think it does. <laughs> Just that one award show? Um, two other award shows. Um, one, another Screen Actors Guild from three years ago and the 19th Annual Critics' Choice Movie Awards. Oh. And this Screen Actors Guild one is just because um, he was, he's been in uh, Westworld, so that's why he was there. And she's, she was in a movie, so yeah. she was there. She was in her yearly Meryl Streep Oscar nom. Yeah, exactly. He was not at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess I was wrong, and I apologize for that. Okay. I can own my wrongness. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, so we have nothing to say about effects. I am right, so yep. go me. Congrats. Uh, what's our next thing? Our next bullet point? Quality. I imagine we'll probably be around the same number on this one. one. Ba- based on what? One. Really? Yeah. You hated it that much? Fine, two. Look, I don't mean to talk you up. Like, live your truth. But Live your truth. 
<laughs> I'm giving this movie a four out of five. You thought I was somewhere near a four? No, I was kidding. Oh, okay. Listen, I'm giving it a two because I stayed awake during the entirety of the movie, and that counts for something. Because I've it really does with you during um, uh, what's that boring movie that was in like Texas? Near Dark? No. J.K. Sorry, Matt. Oh no. Um. Oh, the town that dreaded sundown. There you go. Um, I was gonna say the town that dripped blood or something. Close enough. I would have gotten there. Okay. Um, but yeah, the town that dreaded sundown. Like I've fallen asleep during a number of boring movies that you've shown me. Um, and a I number s- of interesting movies. <laughs> You're just a sleepyhead. That's true. But I stayed awake during this one, so it gets some credit for that, mostly because the cast was really attractive. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean. So it gets points for that. It gets points for the final scene, which I was like, I did not see this coming. Uh, do um, you want to talk about that final scene, Brennan? Yes, but just in one sec. I do want to land back on the attractiveness thing. Like, Look, you get to spend 84 minutes with a bunch of hot twinks in this movie, so that's fine. Yeah. Like, it's not super my style, but I can be into it. It's the 90s. Mm-hmm. That's all we have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that final scene. Yes, that final scene. Are you talking about... Um, the rat catcher guy in the trucks. Yeah. So a point of exposition uh, during one scene, somehow we discover that the devices don't really function around like high frequency screeching. Um, and it causes them to like short circuit. And so the people respond very, uh, not bizarrely, but frightfully uh, like spasmatically. Like it's like they're going into seizures. Yeah. To the screeching. And then they also like, respond unkindly to it like they seek it out to destroy it yeah they try to j- destroy the source of the noise uh-huh the janitor being the like mensa guy that he is mm-hmm. he figured this out and so he weaponizes it and how does he do that brennan well he puts a bunch of these rat like screechy rat traps on in into the bed of his truck um so he gets all the kids to climb on this truck and chill with him uh-huh. and he just drives it straight off a waterfall which i don't know where that came from it was a very deep waterfall too it was it was an indiana jones level drop yeah um also he was not mensa smart enough to realize he could just hit the gas pedal like weigh it down and jump out of the car well he was already shot oh yeah he was dying i forgot so about it was that. like this ultimate sacrifice uh-huh Thank you so much, Mr. Ratman. Um, <laughs> we barely knew ye, and we were mostly confused by ye, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he also quoted, I believe it's a Pink Floyd song. He was like, teacher, leave your kids alone. And then he just like drove straight off the cliff with like 20 kids in the back of this truck, and they all plummet to their doom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of a dark scene because James Marsden is all like hopeful thinking, like, we can save these kids, right? And he's like, no, you can't. Yeah. And he just drives off, and there goes half the graduating class of this tiny island. Yeah, and not to really bring this conversation down, but this movie was, I be- it was post-Columbine, and that's a weird, weird movie to have happen around that time. Uh-huh. Um, it's probably made before Columbine. Prob- yeah, probably, yes. But that may be what uh, what contributed to its extremely poor Don't box office take. Try to excuse the mediocrity of this movie. <laughs> um, no, it was bad. I really, really liked it. Why did you like it? Tell me why did you like it? Okay, so um, there are 
some bad things about this movie. I will admit. quite a few. Um, I think the villain is not super explored. It's just like he wants kids to be nice. I'm like, all right, I guess so. Uh-huh. Um, and there is the, an angle to uh, James Marsden's character where he has a dead brother that almost doesn't play in ever at all. Um, Wasn't that the opening shot of the movie? Was it? Wasn't it like you saw like his opening brother like laughing and something, and then it just cuts away? Mm, I don't know if it was the first shot, but early on we do see like little like camcorder clips of him. Yeah, we saw clips of him, and it was never explained. It was yeah, the clips weren't explained, but it, I, I think it's implied that he made a video before he committed suicide. Oh, because um, they did say that he had shot himself. Okay, um, I just remember being weirded out. I was like, "Who? What is the video? Is this?" And all of a sudden, at a dinner where the girl, his sister, brings home a friend, and he's like, um, well, my grandfather, what did she say, like, my grandfather died or something? Um, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, do people get weirded out at your family table when they talk about your dead grandfather? Because at this table, people get weirded out when we talk about my dead brother, Yeah, he just oh, storms off. This movie is so angsty. Yeah. It's all about your parents, like, tr- plotting against you. Yeah. Um, by the way, the brother, played by Ethan Embry, who was like kind of a big teen star at the time and has made some solid movies since then. Well, the cast is pretty like spot on. Okay, You have mm. James Marsden, who went on to have an okay career. Yeah, uh, he was Cyclops. He was Prince Edward. Now he's on Westworld with yeah, Meryl Streep. It's pretty okay. Um, I mean, like if you're working... He was in the SAG Awards <laughs> with Meryl Streep. If you're working in Hollywood, that's a pretty good career. Uh, Katie Holmes, who you know was big at Dawson at the time, I'm assuming. Yeah, no, she was huge. Um, there, she was in that Sam Raimi movie, The Gift, where everyone was like, "Oh, we get to see her naked," but then it turns out you only see her character naked after she has died. So it's just a naked Katie Holmes corpse, and you're like, "Oh." Mm. <laughs> um, and who else was in it that was big? Um, Bruce Greenwood. Yeah. Who went on to play Gerald? In Gerald's game? Yeah. And, and he was in the original? post with Meryl Streep. James Marsden's best friend, Meryl Streep. Okay. Um, was he McNamara? Not let this go. I don't know who he was. There was so many people in that movie. Okay, fair enough. Um, who else was in? Oh, um, I believe the little sister was played by Catherine Isabel who, from um, Ginger Snaps and Freddy vs. Jason in a very early role. Ah, uh, yes. Correct. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure there was somebody else who uh, I, I am forgetting. Probably. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> That's all I have, I think. Yeah. Um, out. Yeah. What, else, what other grievances do I have with this movie? Uh, we don't really get any kind of sympathy for the parents. We're just... No, they're barely in it. Yeah. We're just supposed to believe that they're terrible people. I mean, that that's the teen angst quality of this movie because you know parents are terrible because you have them. Um, yeah, no, look, the plotting is weak, but... It, I just had such a good time watching this movie. It's a sugar rush of a movie. It's set in this beautiful bay town, and we get to see all of the beautiful landscapes as they walk around being angsty. And it's got the, all the crazy 90s music, and the weirdest things happen. It's the most inexplicable movie, and that actually really goes a long way with me. If I don't know what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying your movie. <laughs> Um, okay. And maybe that's a problem with me personally. Um, but I had just had a really good time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cuckoo for Cocoa Poops. And what did you just say? I was misquoting Salma Hayek's misquote from 30 Rock. Okay. It was like, I'm crazy for Cuckoo Poops. 
I don't no, know. I remember that joke. Yeah, I can't remember what she says. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it was great. Mm-hmm. 100 out of 100. Okay. Well, we too differed on this one. Let's see if we differ next week. Brennan, tell these lovely listeners what we're listening, what we're watching next week. I will, but first, here's how you can contact the show. Find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. On Facebook at Scream101Podcast. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars, and you can still get that digital download code of Cult of Chucky. Which, please, it's really good. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, somebody who wore a Chucky pin today. Which um, is you. Spoiler yeah, me. Alert. That's me. I wore the pin. Uh... Don't miss out. Don't sleep on this. Cult of Chucky was actually a pretty fun movie. Yeah, it was. And speaking of fun movies, and also speaking of twinks that brought many teenagers to their sexual awakenings, um, I'm talking about Devin Sawa. Um, We are watching Idle Hands. Who's Devin Sawa? He played Casper in Casper. Um, The Friendly Ghost? Yeah. Um, When Casper... Who was hot for the ghost? Oh, Trust me. Send us a tweet if the um, because because you get to see because Casper's you know he's the cartoon ghost for a hot minute. But have you seen Casper? Yeah. Okay. In the end, you get to see him as like a real life boy, and that like twelve. Yeah, but a lot of twelve year olds at the time were like, hell yeah, give me some of that. (laughs) Okay. Um, and I'm he, gonna take your word for he, it. He became kind of, sort of a tiger beat pinup for half a second. Like a like your who played Simba? A Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like one of him? Yeah. Okay. Look, I I don't pretend to know why, but it happened. Okay. I've seen a lot of people talk about this. Okay. Tweet at us, please. I want to hear about this. Scream one on one pod. You heard it here first. But we're watching Idle Hands, which stars him and Seth Green and some other people probably. I assume there's more than the two of them in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth Green really had a rockin' career long before I noticed he existed. You mean Seth Green with Family Guy? Yeah. True. <laughs> no, I mean, oh, Vivica A. Fox is in it. Really? Can I see this movie? Yeah. We're just having a conversation at this point. I hope you realize. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what a podcast is. So I hope I hope people are still caring, like I guess. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, Jessica Alba's in it too. Um, I don't know if that's a draw or not, but it'll be interesting. Um, that one is much more intentionally comedic. It's, I've heard it's like a stoner comedy. Yeah, the hand is green, so and it's, yeah, it's all just green. like potheads are. Um, but yeah, so catch us next week for Idle Hands, which I'm very excited to visit. Like, um, th- this month really is filling in my personal gaps in '90s horror, and this is. One of the bigger ones that I have definitely missed, although big is relative. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, but until next week, uh, good luck on your journey. And stay gold, everybody. Bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hey, Brandon. Yeah, Justin? We really need to record a trailer for our podcast. Why? Because that's how we'll get people to tune in. All the great podcasts have them. Oh, okay. Hey, what's this? You own a cassette player? What is this, 1992? This isn't mine. Well, what's on it? Hmm, let's see.
Hey everyone, welcome to Eerie Earfuls. Every two weeks we pick a horror movie double feature to compare and contrast for your entertainment. Who chooses rotates each episode. We explain why we chose the films, then proceed to analyze the two. Proceed to analyze the two. Proceed to analyze the two. For your entertainment. You never know what pairings we might choose. You never know. What the hell? Was that... Us on that tape? Hello? Find more episodes on Bad People Got Me. Podcasts for the weird at heart.